0: Com.
1: Hello, welcome to Emotional Badass, where Moxie meets Mindful. I'm your host, Nikki Eisenhower, life coach and psychotherapist. And on today's episode, I'm sharing a story about breaking free from manipulation and abuse. Part two. This is one of my most vulnerable stories that I've never shared before now. If you haven't already, please stop here and go listen to last week's part one before this one. And I want to thank you for holding space for my story because it's not just my story. In some ways, my story is the same as all abuse stories. And I hope I am offering hope and healing when I share it. It is in our DNA to learn from the passing on of stories, from the connection with each other of deep, real intimacy and vulnerability. Please take whatever you need and toss the rest from my shares. Also, all of my episodes are to be used as you need, not as I intend, but as you need to meet yourself where you are. Any of you struggling with codependency, please use my story shares to help yourself empathize without carrying the weight of someone else's story. This is a necessary life skill for highly sensitive people, empaths, and survivors. Please use what I'm offering to fit what you need when you need it. Light and love and on to part two. The white van chased me, hopped the curb, and was on the grass speeding toward me. It all happened in a fraction of a second and somehow over minutes too. And that's the brain having a traumatic response in real time, adrenaline pumping, both slowing and speeding up, which is impossible and yet accurate in moments of high, high stress and fear. Somehow I heard my name Nikki Nikki wait wait I was out of shape back then y'all. I was about 30 pounds heavier than I am now I was still smoking cigarettes at that time And I just couldn't run far. I was trying But I heard a familiar voice that registered as not my abuser as not him And I recognized the voice, but I couldn't yet place it. I just knew it wasn't him, and it was familiar. I started to slow, and I saw who it was, and he caught up to me. It was Andy, and I'm not using a real name. Andy had stood in my wedding, had stood up as a groomsman for my ex, though he was twice my ex's age. I'd fallen to the ground, not quite fainting, but wobbly-legged, weak. I was in someone's front yard and tried to catch my breath, tried to focus and catch up to what was actually happening and catch up to what was not happening. I was not being abducted. My mind grasped that before my body could. As Andy reached out, a hand to help me up, he had confusion all over his face as he was registering how truly terrified I was, even when I was seeing that it was Him and not someone I didn't know I jerked away from his reaching out hand and I saw him register Hurt for a second. Like why is nikki pulling away from me like this? I have never Had a bad moment with nikki and that was true I had the sense he wasn't The type of man to just take a woman out Not the kind of guy that would be like a murder for hire guy for a buddy But I wasn't sure how much he might participate knowingly or unknowingly In any plot to hurt me The van's driver's door was flung open The car was still on The van was between the street and the sidewalk on the grass where i'd never really seen A vehicle haphazardly parked unless it was a flood issue And it added to the surreal quality of everything that was happening. It felt Bizarro He said hey. Hey, how are you doing Nikki?" kind of nervously? It's me. It's it's Andy. You know me. Hi. Hey. Hey. Yeah, it's been a while. My ex told everyone I was crazy and he had proof that makes sense to a lot of people. When my dad was arrested, the year or two before, I had spent 11 days in a psych unit. It was really hard. Detectives had tried to get me to get my dad to incriminate himself on recording. Instead of having compassion for that and understanding that, or like my professors in counseling told me, good job for you taking a mental health vacation. It was used as a tool to shame, to manipulate me and manipulate others about me. Andy spoke to me like he was calming a freaked out dog that's been backed into a corner and is considering if biting is in order or not. This guy was not a bad guy. I wouldn't say he was the greatest guy out there either. This man was in his 50s. I was 24. I had gotten married at 22. And he was a professional private investigator. He was certainly codependent and probably controlling of a woman's whereabouts if he was in a relationship. But at that time in my life, he was in the good guy category in my mind. And what I know now is that many decent men, solid men, Even some kind of generally craptastic men honestly just won't or can't see the smarmy in other men. And I knew intuitively what had happened. It washed over me, a knowing that I couldn't have known, but I knew. The courts hadn't been able to serve me with divorce papers. He had filed for divorce. And I had tried earnestly to go to lawyers, but I was penniless. I was barely getting by. I cried in multiple attorneys' offices saying, I don't get it. How does somebody get a divorce if they don't have any money and they don't have any parents with money? He's abusing me. How do you leave this type of person? And they just kind of didn't have any answers for me. I scrounged up enough money for one lawyer to send the very first whatever letter. And he straight up told that lawyer, laughing, that he'd just bury me in legal fees that I'd never be able to keep up. And I knew he was right. He kept trying to get me to come to his parish where we had lived together, where he had police friends and criminal friends and lawyer friends. But I trusted that warning from my friend that I've never seen again, never had another conversation since that moment. He wanted me driving around that parish. My intuition said, hell no, and kept me safe. And I listened. So the courts couldn't nail me down and I wouldn't change my address and I'd never return to a job once he found out where I was He liked intimidating and frightening me. So he really got off on the moment of telling me ha 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 ha. I know where you are Which meant I would then run And that kept this dysfunctional game going in ways that I didn't understand was a game I just knew I didn't want to play I knew that it was really pissing him off that I was one step ahead and he couldn't locate me And neither could the court. So he nonchalantly asked andy to locate and serve me Like I hadn't been hard to find Andy seemed to realize this though. He didn't acknowledge this to me I was carless. This was pre-lift This was pre-uber pre-car service cabs were very expensive back then for me and I just couldn't afford it and I'd never in my life gotten on public buses in New Orleans so I think they figured out he remembered that I had a friend off the streetcar route and that's how they found me I could sense that Andy felt badly for scaring me so I saw it register for a swift second that maybe just maybe he didn't have the full story from his friend that my reaction was just too much It was just too wrong. It was too fearful. And he knew that I was not crazy. Eventually, through tears and telling him he had scared the fuck out of me, he served me with divorce papers. Now, who in the world gets served with divorce papers by someone who stood in their own wedding? Who has an unmarked white private investigator van? Chase them down to serve them. And if you're my age anybody that grew up on America's Most Wanted and Rescue 911 and Unsolved Mysteries, every cell of my body knew to watch out for the white abduction mobile. These are the games that good master manipulators play. And they play the people that they're abusing and they play the people they call friends too. Each time I have awareness of someone having a successful suicide attempt, I can't help but wonder If they are in the grips of some kind of master manipulator and if we'll ever really know When I look back, I have so many moments of ignored intuition Years of ignoring my intuition Years of damaging self-bullying self-shaming self-talk hundreds if not thousands of intuitive warnings of Energy trying to tell me this is not right for you. This is not okay. This is wrong This is scary. There has to be something else. This is not your life. My abandonment wounds kept me attached to something awful. This is what low self-worth does. Low self-worth told me that this is what I deserve, that there was nothing better, that this is what my life was about. Didn't I have enough proof of that yet? Abandonment wounds will have us attaching to something awful just to be attached to something. Once early in our relationship, he had wanted me to do his laundry and I didn't hang his pants up the way that he said was the right way. I had done it wrong. I said, I I didn't know there was a a right way to hang pants. He shamed me in front of his family and I sobbed in embarrassment and shame. His mother came to me. She witnessed the whole thing. She was used to him. She was a little bitty short woman. And she came to me, and with tenderness, she looked me right in the face, and she rubbed my tears away. And she told me that this is what men do. They make us cry, and we just have to learn how to shake it off. She meant well. From what she knew and had endured, that was all of her wisdom. For a young woman whose mother had not made such loving gestures— as caring about my tears or coming to me to lovingly wipe them away, to be with me in so many ways, I was attached to her so much more than him. That worked for him as it works for so many master manipulators. That leaving means leaving it all. There is no option to have some like we see in divorces with healthier family dynamics very much like a mob this family was. You're either in or you're out. I had so wanted to feel embraced by a family, especially after my grandparents' death, that I swept his cruelty under the rug. And it would be years before I understood how this other mother in my life was telling me to endure this, to allow it, that that's the role of women, that that was my role and that there wasn't another option. This was her form of helping me. No wonder I struggled to ask for help when this was the type of help that was around me. I did at times ask for help, but what I got was so damn unhelpful, I learned to stop asking. This is why we must seek outside help. We have to get outside of the very dysfunction that we are in and the people that are in it with us, not just the main players, the side players, the family members that hang in allowance on the peripheral, never confronting, never saying, that's enough, that's not okay, that's wrong, stop it, cut it out, you don't deserve this.
0: Would you like to relax or fall asleep? while learning about pivotal moments in history? If so, then try my new podcast, Calm History. It's a time machine of tranquility, filled with immersive and fascinating stories from history. Prior episodes include, The Pilgrims, Marco Polo, Henry Ford, Joan of Arc, Jackie Robinson, Klondike Gold Rush, Ancient Greek Olympics, Easter Island, and the Great Pyramid of Giza. There's also a six-part series about the Titanic. Just search your podcast player for Calm History or go to calmhistory.com.
1: This is why abuse tends to be systematic in families. It's not just one player who strolls through abusively and everybody else is cool. The system is sick with this, not just one individual. This mother loved me. I Still to this day, I know that for her loving capacity, she loved me. She probably still thinks about me and still sends me loving thoughts. It's confusing as hell to have to deal with with dysfunction function wrapped in love and sort that out. Again, I wonder how many people die of a broken heart, die from addiction, or die from a suicide attempt in the confusion of trying to sort this. I just completed a chapter recently for my memoir that I've been working on for about an, a year and a half. I'm hoping I can finish it this year, but it might take me two. But part of what I wrote is that my adulthood in large part has been a massive apology to my own intuition, to my own inner knowing. My healing commitment has been to my inner child, my inner younger woman, my inner adolescent. It has been important in my healing to be the adult that my little girl, my pre-adolescent, my adolescent, my young woman didn't get. And that means showing her personal responsibility, ownership, willingness, and action toward healthy change. I've chosen to tell her so many times, I am so sorry. I really did know. I just didn't know how to act from that knowing. But now I know I will never not act again. The trust that needs building back up after such abuse and gaslighting, it's not so much in other people. Like a lot of people seem to think or seem to want, oh, I've got to work on trusting people. I just can't trust other people. We hear that a lot. The trust that needs building back is the trust within ourselves. That's where the healing lies. That's where the healing takes place. That's where the healing grows inside of us. Words aren't enough, and it takes time to repair. My inner child had to hear those words from me, and I had to walk her through the fact that she had every reasonable right, the younger child in me, the younger woman in me, to not trust my people picker. I've shown her. So we work at the level of our self-talk, and then we work at the level of actionably showing ourselves. I've showed her that I have learned and I have honored the pain from my earlier life experiences and I will never not listen to her again. If I get something wrong or misinterpret or it takes me more than one or two beats to figure out what's going on with somebody around me, I own that for my inner parts. I say something like, I'm sorry I didn't get it immediately. And it really is Okay. We don't have to be perfect here. This can be a good enough practice too. I caught it. I'm always going to catch it because I'm not going to stop till I catch it. I'm not going to let that intuitive discomfort be swept under the rug ever again. Sometimes I let her know that it's okay if she has a little bit of fear. The goal really isn't having zero fear when it comes to people. It's having a reasonable fear, a healthy fear Yes, I'm hanging out with somebody right now and they start talking about stealing things. I'm going to allow those red flags to come up at me to wave strongly. And I'm going to back away from that. I'm not going to pursue that type of relationship. Master manipulators are scary and they're good at what they do. We don't have to be fearless to handle what we need to handle in this life. We can have a little bit of fear, reasonable fear. And we can take care of ourselves with self-respect anyway. Big adult me has had a life-given PhD in what abuse is and what it isn't. Of being able to sense motive and heart in people. Of listening to my gut and not allowing my gut to be swept under any rug anymore. My relationship with myself was the one that needed repair. Trusting others isn't really it, y'all. Even my sweet, kind, supporting producer of a husband. As much as I trust him and I suspect I always will and will always be able to because of the constitution of the man that he is and his high moral standards. But I'm also aware that people can have head injuries. They can develop an addiction. Things can change. A master manipulator can play on other people too. And those are far away what ifs. But it's entrusting myself to name whatever needs naming. It's entrusting myself to stay in and cultivate healthy relationships and to distance from unhealthy ones. That is the true self. Any healthy relationship with somebody else or with ourself just means a true willingness to meet halfway and ownership of our own struggle points Our own screw ups, our own mistakes, a commitment to personal responsibility, a commitment, a dedication to evolving into a better self and evolving into a better relationship together, together with our inner psychological parts and together with other real people who have their feet on the earth. We get to grow towards more ease, more positive communication, more simplicity, more shared joy. This is what healthy people naturally do together, though we all do it a little differently. There's no one healthiness, but we get to move towards this healthiness and move away towards what's unhealthy. The trust building is about trusting ourselves. I trust myself to leave unhealthy relationships and attempt to renegotiate if any relationship gets wonky to the best of my ability. This is a healing trust. This is a trust that brings security and doesn't hinge my okayness, doesn't hinge my wellness on my external circumstances, on other people or other people's behavior or mindset or commitment. This trust is mine and no one has the power to ever get in between me and myself ever again. No one on this planet has the power to get in between me and what is best for myself I know how to honor my true intuitive feelings about what's going on and not deny myself or throw myself out of the window. This is peace, this is power, and this is healing. This work, as complicated as it can seem at times, isn't really all that complicated, y'all. It just feels like it when we're lost. It feels like it when we're desperate. It feels like it when we're wandering aimlessly in confusion and hurt. I hope what I share, the way that I share it, helps you see yourself, helps you feel found within yourself, helps you dedicate your energy, your heart, your intelligence to the love and the care of yourself. And out of that self-care, we heal our people picker. And that's when we go forth into the world And connect whether it's friendships we're looking for whether it's romance whether it's partnership This is what gives us our power our healed power I hope emotional badass helps you find and trust and dedicate yourself to yourself This came up in last year's boundaries course a sacred selfishness A putting on the oxygen mask of ourselves and that's what this show is about learning what that means functionally in our self-talk with our bodies, with our actions, to be in that sacred selfishness. So from a full cup, we then walk the earth and connect with other people. Thank you for holding space for my story. And thank you for being a part of my badass strong tribe in the way that I know that I am a special human being just like all of you are special human beings and none of us are special. I promise you there is nothing really special about me. I just kept going and I kept going towards the light and I kept moving away from what was dark. It's all you have to do when you get lost and confused. Go back, listen to old emotional badass episodes, let yourself marinate in what I'm offering, and it'll get in there layer by layer by layer by layer until you have the deep healing that I know that many of you feel in me. Don't think that's about Nikki, me, the person. Any human being can do the same. I promise you. I know it like I know my first name. Light and love, and thank you so much. If there's anything In this episode or the last episode, this is a two-parter that you think will help somebody on their journey. Please share the show. Light and love and healing to all of us. I'm an emotional badass. You are an emotional badass. And together, we are where Moxie meets mindful. Light and love. Bye-bye.
0: dot com.